Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. episode, I'm going to be talking to Jason Nelson, a digital retail expert and e-commerce consultant. Jason has over 15 years retail experience building and shaping and delivering results across multi-product categories and worked, has worked for many businesses, which he'll mention in a minute. Today, we're going to discuss the mistakes online retailers make and how to avoid them. Thanks, Jason, for joining me today. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, can you chat a little bit about your background and what it is that you do now? Sure. Before I do, I just want to say I've been following you for a while and I think you're fantastic. Um, I love your lives. I always think they're super useful um, in giving small businesses some real nuggets that they can take away and um, apply to their business. So uh, well done on that. Thank you very much. Um, And now a little bit uh, on me before we get into uh, what I hope are are really useful points that um, that your listeners can take away and apply to their business. Um, So, yes, I'm Jason Nelson. Hello from Jason Nelson Digital. Um, I'm what's called a holistic e-commerce consultant. Um, I do have over 15 years experience of working with brands like ASOS, um, Joseph, Coast, Hobbs, uh, Thomas Pink, and most recently with Halcyon Days. Um, my real focus, my real expertise is uh, working across fashion, accessories and home with businesses to take them from um, where they are today uh, and help them create a plan to deliver against their um, budget expectations and their target expectations for the coming years. Uh, so my focus now that I've left the corporate world is really working with um, small businesses to make sure that they have the tools they need to become part of what I call the 10%. I read a, a really interesting article recently that said only 10% um, of small businesses succeed in their first year. So I want to be part of uh, building and shaping that community. I know it's a scary statistic, isn't it? And, it really is. I know. And so we, we talked um, before we started recording and when we were discussing what 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 the topic of the podcast would be today is, you know, you see a lot of um, business owners making some mistakes and how they can rectify those so that their business is successful and their online channels are driving the best, um, that their online channels are driving growth and sales. So yes. I'm going to kind of hand it over to you, Jason. And so what are the main mistakes that you see and what can online retailers do about it? Got it. Well, I'm going to dive straight in with point one. Um, and point one is is so fundamental and it is choosing the right platform. So um, what I see happening in the small business community and with clients that I'm working with is they've created their web presence on a Squarespace or a WordPress and actually 
after six months, a year, they're finding themselves in a position where the platform will no longer um, adapt to their needs and has become so complicated that they're spending time fixing issues rather than developing their product and focusing on marketing, which really should be their primary concern. So what I would always, always recommend to small businesses is that you first look at Shopify. So Shopify is the ultimate drag and drop plug and play platform, which pretty much gives you all of the tools that you need to drive online retail success out of the box. So I often use the analogy of, um, getting an extension built on my flat. I used a really bad builder and I then just had to spend lots of money getting um, the right builder in to come and fix it. And if you're not careful on something like a WordPress and you don't have the development experience, you'll use an agency who'll create something that isn't quite fit for purpose. But the great thing about Shopify is 98% of what you need it to do will do out of the box. And then yeah. you're just adding the equivalent of um, a color palette to the walls and your soft furnishings. No, absolutely. And I agree completely with that. I've had spoken to a client before who had a we had a blog and then changed that to an e-commerce transactional website. But so it was originally on WordPress and they stayed yes. with WordPress. Yeah. And to do what they needed to do, they had to spend 15000 rather, Good which I, I know, um, which rather than uh, either paying someone to pay around fifteen hundred or a little bit more for a Shopify website, or doing it, or doing Shopify themselves, you know. So it is yeah. definitely, and I think that there's so many more um, with Shopify and the plugins and the email marketing and and some of those those best um, providers work best with Shopify as well over other. Um, Indeed. I mean, I would always say if you want a blog site that does a, a wee bit of e-commerce, then by all means use a WordPress. But if you want an e-commerce site that can do a bit of blogging, then absolutely Shopify is the choice for you. Great. So number two on my list is conversion rate optimization. So, you know, we are going to work together, if you work with me, um, on driving lots of relevant traffic to your website. Um, And what you really want to do is make sure that you don't have a leaky bucket. So you've Mm -hmm. got people falling out of your website. And when what you really want them to do is get into your conversion funnel and check out. So a few best practice things that um, I'd recommend to your listeners for conversion rate optimization are focus on your homepage. So, you know, your homepage is usually your first impression of your brand. So use something like a hot jar, which will give you an understanding of, and it's a very simple plugin on Shopify, which will give you an understanding of what people are clicking on, how they're engaging with the content on your homepage. You also need to think about your homepage in the um, traditional press media sense. So if you were buying an ad, in a newspaper, you would pay more for above the fold. Um, And above the fold is pretty much um, the first half um, of your website. And that's because that's going to get the most eyes. So you really want to make sure if you've got a key product message, a key seasonal message, that you're representing it well at the top of your homepage. So above the fold with a really strong call to action. And Hotjar shows up like a heat map, doesn't it? So you, when you use yes. Hotjar, the, it goes red for where customers are spending the most time. Is that right or have I got that wrong? 
Yes, that's absolutely it. So it will show you where people are engaging, but it will also add a value to the content that you have on your homepage so that you can start money mapping it. So it will say people who clicked on the banner at the top of your page have a value of X versus the banner at your bottom of your page that might have a, a, a value of Y. And then you can compare the two and think, okay, well, is the banner at the bottom of my page driving as much value as uh, the top banner? And if not, why not? So it could be simply because it's below the fold or it may not be as engaging or may not have a, a stronger call to action. So that can track from that banner to then the conversion into the basket and money spent. Yes, that right? absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I think really, really an, metrics. another good way for people to think about it um, is, like you say, your your um, your magazine analogy or your, your newspaper analogy. But also if you had a sh- if you had a bricks and mortar shop, what would you want on your front window? What message Precisely. would you, you know, what message would you want to get across? Yeah. And, and so- that is actually that is actually a really good point, Nicole, because actually if you think about it from a traditional retailing point of view, your retail store manager would be able to optimize um, each of the fixtures in the mm-hmm. store based on which one gets most footfall and will ensure the best sellers are there and that's taking um, a decent amount of money. So, you know, I always say e-commerce is, it shouldn't be rocket science because it is just exactly the same principles that you would apply to a bricks and mortar store, but in a digital environment, which actually creates much more opportunity for you to learn, react, optimize and and drive more sales. Yeah. So like you say, you'd have your best sellers at the front. If you were, if you had sale and you were launching your sale, that would be one of your main messages, uh, whether it's the banner or, you know, all that kind of thing. You're you're first launching it and then you might move it down to the bottom manager. You might move it down to the bottom banner when you don't have much sale stock left. And it's just thinking of it that way. And I think that makes it quite accessible for people that have a bricks and mortar store or don't, but they're able to think about it. Right. If this, if I had a shop, what would I want to be front and center? Yeah, and I think that is a great way of thinking of it. And I would say um, to your listeners, if you speak to a consultant that tries to make e-commerce more complicated than that, then you're working with the the wrong person because it shouldn't be. And unfortunately, there are um, consultants out there who create smoke and mirrors to make it look far more complex than it needs to be. And I think if we just think about it in the traditional retailing sense, but we're applying it to a digital world where we have far more visibility of what our customers want and need so that we can react to that. Great. So they've got Hotjar. They've got the right platform. Yes, that's a great start already. (laughs) Already set up a success. Um, So next, I would say navigation. So um, what I don't see enough people doing in the community is really optimizing their navigation. So you need to think about your navigation as customer has a good idea of what they're looking for and they want you to make it really easy for them to find in your navigation so all of your best-selling categories should be listed in your navigation if you have home as an option in your navigation please remove it immediately Uh, i promise you if you look at hotjar nobody's clicking on the home button. And and I think most people realize that when they're shopping, if they want to go back to a homepage, they'll click on um, the logo and that will take them back to the homepage. But generally, once someone's seen the homepage, they generally don't want to go back to it. Um, So let's focus on getting them into your funnel. And the navigation is absolutely key for that. So please remove home. It's not necessary. And let's focus on 
all of those um, key categories within your business that your customer is most likely to be looking for. In terms of speed of a website, you know, what's the statistics in terms of how long people stay on a page or how quickly a website should be working, changing, you know, going to the next page, you know, because no one wants a glitchy website or that takes forever to load or, you know, but is there, are there stats in terms of how long people stay on certain pages and then also um, how quickly your website should load and the people should be able to navigate from one place to another? So I would say that um, getting caught up with the speed of your website is a, a tunnel that I wouldn't okay. suggest you go down just mm-hmm. because I think it's, there are so many other things that you can do to drive out your conversion and increase the experience on your site um, that sometimes when I speak to clients, they are so focused on reducing the load time of their site that they take their eye off other things. So if you've got a problem with your site um, load speed and what Shopify does is it tells you how your site is loading compared to other sites. And that will give you a very broad and general um, overview of whether you think there's a a problem. Um, And if there is a problem, then go in a way and investigate it. We're going to talk a bit about Google Analytics, but Google Analytics can detail for you if there are any problem pages, and then you can take care of those pages. What often causes a really slow page load is things like you haven't optimized your image, So um, downloading that page or pages is taking longer than it should. But generally, I would say there's other things for you to focus on than um, site speed. But there are a few best practice things that you should be thinking about. And that is making sure that the images are optimized. So if you're using Shopify, it will tell you the optimum image size, whether you're uploading a product image or a banner image. So make sure you're working to those guidelines and you're not, for example, uploading a three meg image for a a product because that's just going to slow everything down. Okay, great. So we've got the hot jar. We've got the, you keep going, sorry. Uh, Okay, yeah, back to my list. Uh, Okay, so the next thing I would say is just making sure that your shopping options are only one click away. So when somebody hits your site, if they're on the homepage, we don't want to give them layers of pages before they get to and start shopping product. So let's get them into the shopping funnel and shopping as quickly as possible. So as long as you've got in your navigation options to your key shopping pages that that does the job what i sometimes see is people linking through to information pages that Mm -hmm. then have product links on those information pages there will be some customers who want to engage with your sticky content and that's great allow them to do that give them the option but most of your customers just want to shop and it's your job to make that easy for them and i think as well making the information really clear when they get on those pages so if they, I remember seeing a, a client's website and they had everything bunched together from sizing information to product information to everything else. But rather than making it clear that if they want to go to that, they can click on this. If they need that yeah. other piece of information, they click on that. It's like, what are the main selling points and why would this person buy it? You know, you know, talking about the, the benefits of the product or whatever it might be. And Definitely. if they want the sizing information, if they want the returns information, they can go and click on those certain areas rather than having it all bunched into one area at the beginning. 
Yes, yes, agreed. I mean, let's make it um, easy to navigate and read, which actually brings me on to another important point. If you look at the best performing retail websites, they're generally black text on a white background and it's quite clean. There isn't a lot of clutter around the key selling messages. Mm -hmm. I've worked with some clients who have a pink background and blue text. And what you've just got to remember is you know, pink might be key to your brand colors, as might be blue, but that is not how somebody wants to read text. So if you mm. think about it in the you know, simplest form, if you were reading a newspaper, if you were trying to read text on a newspaper on a pink background with blue text, it, it wouldn't take very long for your eyes to start getting uh, tired yeah. and you want to move away from that experience. So we just, you know, this ties in absolutely to your point. We've just got to present the information in an easier, the easiest way to digest as possible. That's great. Okay. Um, I think the other thing that I don't see enough people doing, um, which is around the same theme, is um, creating waiting lists. So I sometimes see um, on the product list page, the shopping page, a sold out message, and then you mm. click in and there's nowhere for you to go. So, you know, wouldn't you be better off creating a waiting list, having people add their email to that waiting list, creating real desire and anticipation around that waiting list, and then doing things like, giving people on that waiting list the um, access to sell that, sorry, to buy that product as soon as it comes into stock before you then send out uh, an email to the rest of your database. Just make them feel a bit like a VIP and like they're getting really special mm. access. And what you'll see from emails like that is you'll get a much higher conversion off of those emails than you would through a standard email. And the great thing with Shopify is you can use plugins to manage that entire process. So as soon as your stock is positive on the uh, SKU, on the product that is um, back in stock, it will pin out an email to them automatically and start driving your sales. And that's done by size as well, because Zara do this really well. The, yeah. They'll have their, you know, not email me and notify me when, when it's in stock. And, you know, if you buy from Zara, you know, and you want that particular size, you've been hankering after that must yeah. have dress or whatever it is, like you say, the conversion must be very much higher than, than the standard kind of email to, to everybody. It absolutely would be, yeah. Um, so other things that I'm not seeing enough of are, uh, I was working with a jewellery client recently and they had the most beautiful um, sterling silver uh, jewellery. Um, and they had one particular piece, which was stunning sterling silver necklace, but they had only called it silver necklace. So actually from an SEO point of view and from a conversion point of view, if you were to add sterling, to sterling silver necklace, number one, you'd be more likely to show up in um, a natural search result if somebody was searching specifically for a sterling silver necklace. Um, and number two, I think when people are shopping a page, that then becomes super clear that it's not just silver, it's sterling silver, which is another selling point. And unless you make that really clear and put it front and center to your customers, they have to then go away and dig and find that information. Do you think with titles as well, so if you use your sterling silver um, necklace as a, an example, that say if that was heart shaped, that it should be it should be heart sterling silver necklace. So that if people are looking for that, that it comes up again. 
Nicole, that is a really, really good point. Um, and in fact, that's a brilliant point for how you really start ranking on SEO. So from an SEO point of view, that is called a long tail term. So because you're being very specific in the product name um, of what you're selling, if somebody is specifically searching for that term, they Google will then put your product in front of that search term. Whereas if you were just to call it a silver necklace, you're competing with everyone else who's mm -hmm. selling a silver necklace, including the color silver. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point. Great. And I know a lot of clients of mine, they're kind of a bit head in the sand sometimes when it comes to email marketing. And so and I know from an importance point of view and driving sales, it's, it's such a key tool and element that you need to have as part of your business. What, what are the, yeah. And what, what are the tips um, or what insights do you have about email marketing that you can share? Well, email marketing, in fact, was my next point. Um, right. And what? <laughs> thank you for having me along uh, onto that point very nicely. Um, so email marketing, really interesting stat is it's seven times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to sell to an existing customer. Um, so I would always say for established businesses, i.e., you know, it's not day one of your business and therefore you don't have a database. But if you do have a database, I would absolutely say do not spend money on online advertising, Facebook, Google, etc. until you've optimized your email marketing. Mm. Um, most e-commerce sites um, sell to customers. Excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat. <clears throat> sell to customers only once. Um, and then they're just treading water by losing customers and then having to pay again to acquire a new one. So it really does just become a bit of a, a vicious cycle if they don't invest in the, uh, the time and the budget needed to develop email marketing. So I think the first step is having the right platform. So if you're on Shopify, Clavio works fantastically with Shopify. And for me, I've worked with the majority of the email platforms out there. And Clavio is next generation email marketing, but without the price tag. So yeah. it's priced slightly above MailChimp. But you can do some really, really clever stuff around um, targeting and segmenting customers. So, for example, if you've got a customer who bought product A and you've got product B coming in this season, you can then very easily create a segment of people who bought product A and then send them a targeted email about product B, which again, will convert far higher than your standard um, email. Which is great. So if people think if they have something that was a bestseller last year or earlier on in the season and you're bringing in a winter version of it or something that you think, right, that's a comparable product, then you can yeah. target them. You can target them that way. And you what absolutely can. Now, and what's the conversion? What's usually the conversion from email marketing to sale? Um, so, on average, your open rate will be around 20%. If it's lower than that, there's a lot of work to do. Your conversion um, or your click rate, rather, will be around 5%. Right. Okay. Um, and the way that I like to think about it, and this ties into a later point around Google Analytics, is your email marketing should be driving should be driving out um, thirty percent of your um, total sales as 
a fairly low average. Once you've done the work around optimizing your email marketing, um, it should be closer to 40. But I think the the best way for your listeners to think about its impact is, uh, is on the percentage of overall sales. Because if you think about it as a conversion rate, it's going to be in line with your site conversion rate. So by looking at it from a percentage of sales point of view, it gives you a bit of a holistic view. And I think it's important for people to start building their email list right from the beginning. And you can do that before you launch. So, um, and I've spoken about this before, but getting your, you know, you can have a very basic landing page. So if you know you're not launching for two months, you could yeah. have a, lo- a very basic landing page that is driving people to a site, to the site, just to collect the emails and you'll give them 15% on um, their first order or whatever yeah. it might be. And yes, you're probably, you're not going to be communicating with them weekly like you would if you were had, once you were established and you've launched, mm-hmm. but you might send out an email every two or three weeks or every month and you might be showing some of the behind the scenes you might be having a general chat about how things are going in the business or how excited you are if you are a maker of product like i said you could be showing some processes but it's it's doing that right from the beginning rather than having a list and then not actually doing anything with it as well and not yeah. communicating to people and, yeah. and then and then taking that back to the bricks and mortar anal- analogy i think it's like if you have an email list but you're not talking to people and you're not using it it's like having customers outside your shop and you're not letting them in and browse or you're not saying hello and you would never in a real life situation you would never do that yeah and again i think that is a really great analogy for sort of thinking about these digital tools that we have in a traditional retail way because all of those traditional uh, retail principles absolutely apply to online and sometimes it's even more important in the online space Mm-hmm. And then you talked about Google Analytics. Now, I have yes. to say, I am, I actually Googled Google Analytics last night because I knew I was about to talk to you. I was like, <laughs> right, okay, I really am not clear about what Google Analytics is. So what is Google Analytics? Um, so Google Analytics is a tool which um, you should think of as your sales assistant because what it is and what it does is it's the eyes and ears of what's happening in your store. And if you don't pay attention to it, it's the equivalent of somebody coming into your shop and you not looking at them once. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So I would say imperative to use Google Analytics as your sales assistant, and it's free, guys. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't set up and be using Google Analytics. Um, I think there's there's so much detail within Google Analytics. It's so easy to get lost, but you really need to focus around the key principles of traffic your ATV, um, so your average transaction value, and your conversion, because it's actually these three things that make up your total sales. So if you can increase your traffic by an extra 10% and your ATV by 10% and your conversion by 30%, well, you've just increased your sales by, um, sorry, if you can increase each by 10%, you've just increased your total sales by 30%. So it's useful to think of them in, in sales terms, in terms of driving additional traffic um, ATV or conversion. And I think as well, it's like when you talk about ATV, your average transaction value, you know, it costs you money to attract people to the site, you know, you know, either yeah. through advertising, whatever. So once they are there, you want them to be spent, you want them to spend as much money as possible because your postage might still be the same, but if they've spent yeah. a you know, if they've got more items in their basket than because you've seen you may also like or customers also bought or buy this to get your free shipping, you know, then you have increased your average transaction value. You've increased your items per basket and then you're making more profit within each sale. 
Yeah, which is which is crucial. Um, I have a, a useful course on my uh, website, which basically talks through the 10 essential reports for um, delivering success through Google Analytics. But you know, if you get really focused on what is driving your traffic um, and what can you do to drive more, what's driving your sales out in terms of product performance and what, what can you do to increase um, that and what is causing people to drop out so that you can put the necessary um, blocks in place and principles in place to make sure that stops happening. You've then got a plan that you can take away and use to optimize your site. And the great thing about something like your Google Analytics is every time you make a change to your site, Google Analytics will tell you how effective that change was. And, you know, what you really need to do as a small business owner is just keep on testing and mm-hmm. trialing. And let's see what happens when, you know, you do put your best sellers on the homepage. Does that increase your conversion? Does it increase your sales profitably? And you talked there about when people drop off the site or come off the site. Are there any common things that you've seen that cause shoppers, customers to just abandon the sale or just leave the sales or anything that's a common yeah i think one of the key things are which we touched on earlier is just getting the product too far away from the customer who's looking for it so we just need to make it as easy as possible to get the customer to the product that they're interested in finding but also there are some really basic things which relate um, to email marketing around automating your abandoned basket emails so again that's working as your sales assistant in the background somebody comes to the site they've been distracted they've gone away why not send them a reminder and say look we're we're holding this product in the basket for you just thought you might want to know we've only got a few of these left and we'd hate to disappoint you you know that is a really nice sales message presented in a non-salesy way Mm -hmm. which i think just comes across as a bit of a helpful prompt and I think, like you say, you can get distracted. And I've I've read that you should have three. Some have more. And I suppose it depends what you are as a brand or what you want to do, but that you should have three abandoned cart emails. So one at an hour. This I'm, I'm like your kind of view on it as well. One at an hour. One, I think it was either 12 to 24 hours and then one at three days later. And yeah. the, th- the one at three days later being something that's, oh, you know, don't, you know, here's, 10% or 15% off, don't forget us, or, you know, don't forget, it's still, it's here for you, but it won't be for long, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's a great way to think about it. I would say, start with one, because it's, you're more likely to do it if you start with one than if you have to set up three, but start with one, see the sales success that you're getting from it, and then build out. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We should be looking at different points over 24 to 48 hours to drive that customer back, and they often do need a reminder, but let's, get them started with one. So do mm-hmm. that today, people listening. Um, look at the sales that you're driving from that, which Google Analytics will tell you. And then, um, yeah, build build on those successes. So I read um, a stat that you'll recoup with an abandoned cart flow, that you recoup 60% of that abandoned cart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's so powerful. There are a number of um, flows, which I do go into on the uh, course on email marketing, which is also on my website. But there, there are probably two or three that if you haven't got them up and running today, you, you really should. And um, one of them is um, a welcome program. So new customer buys for the first time. We've talked about um, abandoned car. But there's also a really important one, which isn't talked about enough, and that's abandoned browse. So they haven't added anything to their their, um, cart, but they've visited your site 
and they didn't complete a purchase. So what can we say to them to drive them back to your site and get them shopping? And how do you track that? Because you can't, Um, they've not, you know, how do you track the abandoned browse and how do you, how do you target them? How How does Shopify or the system track that? So with both abandoned browse and abandoned cart, um, they have to, you have to have their email address already. So if Shopify recognizes them. Um, so Shopify because, would recognize their IP address, is it? Uh, it would recognize them as a user. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they do that through the IP or whether they do that through um, the email address as the identifier. So if you captured that um, email address, they come back to your site. You already have that information. You can then target them through uh, an abandoned browser and abandoned car. But they would have to have signed in to they the would, website to, to yes. be able to be tracked. Yeah, for Precisely, the abandoned browser. Yeah. Yeah. So if they, if they hit, hit your website for the first time and they've never interacted with you, you wouldn't be able to send them either of those. Okay, great. Thanks for clearing that up for me. I was like, how does it do it? That's all right. Any other questions, send them my way. (laughs) So we are now at our fifth and final point, which is investing blindly in online marketing and not understanding your real real ROI. So as a um, holistic e-commerce consultant, um, part of what I do in working with small businesses is consider the full e-commerce landscape and then shape a strategy and plan to suit their needs and then work with them to deliver it. Um, What can sometimes be the challenge is if small businesses go to an SEO agency or a Facebook ads agency and say, I want to increase my sales, well, the SEO agency will tell you you should spend your money and time on SEO. Mm -hmm. And the Facebook ad agency will tell you you should be spending your money on Facebook ads. So i I would say always speak to somebody who's sort of independent with a total market um, approach and view. But some of the things um, I'd like to run through uh, in terms of mistakes I sometimes see are around um, on Google, particularly, I see people spending a lot of their budget on um, brand ads. So people searching for their brand specifically, they then pay for that click although they're already at the top of a search result and nobody else is bidding on that. So I always say that is the equivalent of somebody standing out your sh- outside your shop who doesn't work for you as your customers are coming into your shop saying, I'd like to charge the business um, five pounds for you to enter, please. They say, oh, okay, fine. They come into your shop, you then have to pay five pounds. So what can sometimes happen with agencies is they say, look, we're delivering a fantastic result for you. So every pound you spend, we're delivering 10 pound. But then when you look into the detail of that, what they're doing is they're focusing on your brand terms and they're charging you for customers and sales that are coming anyway. So please stop doing that if you're doing it at the moment, because there are more effective ways for you to be spending your budget, your time and driving sales. Um, from a Facebook point of view, um, I see a lot of brands um, spending their budget on boosting posts. So I would ad- advise against that and suggest you use something like Canva to create really simple ads and then target your audience using the audience selector tool um, to target your competitor's audience. So if there's a big brand who's already doing something similar to what you do, you'll be able to, through uh, the Facebook ad center, create a target specifically for those competitors and you can create different campaigns um, for each competitor and you'll be able to analyze how effective 
each one of those competitor audience um, targets are at driving sales to your business. As a very general point for Facebook and for Google is don't rely on Facebook um, sales analysis to determine how successful the ad campaign is. You must look in Google Analytics for that. And the reason for that is what Facebook do um, is they overestimate their sales performance. Google do the same thing, um, but Facebook particularly. And what they'll do is they will say anyone who has viewed your ad within a, I think it's a 30 day period, it might be shorter than that, and then go on to make a purchase on your site, they'll try and claim that. Even mm -hmm. if they presented an ad to somebody, you sent an email to them because they're on your email database, they then made a purchase from your email. Your email marketing will capture that sale in Google Analytics because Google Analytics works on last click, um, but Facebook would also claim that sale. So if you were to go into your Facebook reporting, it would look super successful if it was targeting your current customers, but that isn't necessarily the case. So it can be quite complex. Mm -hmm. uh, another reason why I would suggest um, that your listeners talk to somebody who can provide a holistic view of how they should be spending their time and effort to really drive out an incremental sale, because you don't want to spend money um, on advertising that is charging you for sales that were coming anyway. And is that a service that you offer to set that up, that all up? Or do you say, this is what you yeah. need to do and go and find these people to do it so, for you? Or so what, what I would often do with um, clients is get a, a really good sense of what they need to achieve from a sales point of view, then work with them to develop a plan to deliver that. Um, so if um, it looked like they needed a specialist agency to focus on their online marketing, then I would work with them to find the right agency. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't do that myself in the detail, but I would work with them on shaping the strategy and make sure they're appointed the right agency that will deliver results for them. Because um, one of my current clients, um, Tillits Clothing, who are amazing, um, I work with them very closely on their online marketing because they're focused on driving their business, having fantastic products, um, creating all of the brand assets, but they don't understand the detail of SEO, nor should they, yeah. or online marketing, Google Analytics. So I'll work with them from a strategic point of view to say, you know, this is what I think you guys need to do to help you achieve your targets. And let's work together to make sure we're asking the right questions of the agencies that you're considering to make sure that they can deliver against the uh, expected results. And don't worry about um, trying to understand all the jargon and technology, because I'll, I'll do that for you and, and, I'll, and I'll be the conduit between the two. Okay. And so if someone was launching their business the things for them to to set themselves up for success. So I know that we talked about the mistakes and 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 directed people to what they should do. But if they were starting their business and making sure that they are the right platform, they've got Shopify, they've got Clavio email marketing, they've um and actually another thing before I go on with that, I think that it's really important that you review your own website or you have a website audit because some people get their website done and then don't really go back into it, you know, and yeah. they don't see what's working, what's not working or what doesn't yeah. look right, you know. So it's kind of like doing your own mystery shop of your yeah. of your own website. Do you so know, that is such a good point, Nicole, because again, from a traditional retail point of view, your store manager would do a floor walk every day. So going into the store, making sure each fixture looked great, make sure the product looks great, make sure the customer experience is 
as you'd expect it to be. And that principle absolutely applies to the online space. So you should be doing your own floor walk on your website every day. But I think it's also really useful to do it in an incognito mode. So when you open a new tab on your browser, we'll have an option for incognito mode, which basically means the website um, will recognize you as somebody hitting the site for the first time because then what you'll be able to do is see what um, customers, new customers to your site are seeing. So sometimes you might see too many pop-ups. So you've got the live Mm -hmm. chat, you've got the um, sign up to email and various other things popping up that only happen on the um, first visit. So yeah, really good point and do it in incognito mode. Great. That's like loads of sales assistants going, can I help you? Can I help you? Yeah, help you? And you just, just go, like, no. Just I've only just <laughs> arrived. Let yeah. me have a look at the shelf first. I'll come back with questions. <laughs> yeah. So, so back to what I was saying in terms of if you were starting up, so if you're starting your e-commerce business, make sure it's on the right platform, which you've established as Shopify for product businesses, having Clavio as your email marketing. Um, and then from a from an advertising side of things, not putting all your eggs in one basket with Facebook and looking at different options. Um, Yeah, and being focused on the real return on investment. So don't just take at face value the report that you get from Facebook thinking it's doing a great job because it's saying every pound I spend, I'm getting £10 back. Isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. And then when when you've got your website done, it's back from your developer or you've done it on Shopify yourself, that you're looking at that with fresh eyes going, right, if this, what am I selling? What am I promoting? What are my calls to actions almost, I suppose? Or what's my front, my shop window looking like? Um, and from people that are starting from the beginning and um, setting up a biz- an e-commerce business, is there anything else? Um, I know we talked about making sure your abandoned cart is set up, that you're doing your email marketing from the beginning, but that you can do before you've launched. Anything else that you think that startups specifically need to make sure that they have in place? Yes. Um, So you need to make sure that you've activated your on-site search and you're able to um, look at the reporting of what people are searching for. Because again, that is the equivalent of your customer asking you something and you not responding. So make sure your on-site search is working and make sure Google Analytics is picking it up. Um, Cross-sell was something that um, we haven't touched on yet. But what customers find super useful is... If you're um, in fashion retail and you've got a fantastic dress and you also sell the shoes that work brilliantly uh, with it and you have the accessories to suit, then make sure you're referencing and talking about those on your product page. So there are various apps that can help support you with that. But if you feel like it's something you don't have a lot of time to optimize yourself, then there are apps that you can plug in, which will be a standard you may also like. And what that will do is that will just look at the intelligence of what other people who looked at and purchased that product then went on to buy. And that's so important because that, you know, going back to the average transaction value, that'll help increase your average transaction value. It means that you make more sales on that. You'll make, you know, more turnover on that sale and you'll have a high, that will increase your average transaction value and you'll have a higher sale, which obviously would mean then that you would have more profit from that, from that sale, from that customer as well. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Jason, for joining me today. So where can people find you? People can find me um, on my website, uh, jasonnelsondigital.com or on Instagram. I always try and post something uh, useful and helpful. Please let me know if it isn't or if there's anything else you'd like me to post, but that's uh, jasonnelsondigital.com. 
And you have a lot of download. You touched on them in the beginning. You have a lot of courses and downloads that people can get from this. Yeah. Website. So I have um, on my website, I have um, a course on email marketing, which will talk you through step by step the essentials that you need to know to make sure that your email marketing is driving 40% of your total business. It will help you plan your content and uh, hopefully demystify anything that you're struggling with that's stopping you from achieving success with email marketing. Um, Google Analytics, um, so many people I speak to just find the whole thing so confusing. So I've created um, a... um, a masterclass, which is a recorded Zoom, which takes people through step by step where they should be clicking, what they should be uh, looking for, and also how they can automate reports so that when they start work on a Monday morning, all of their key reports are sitting in their inbox. And all they need to do is take the appropriate actions to um, drive success. Fantastic. Sounds great. So I'll link your website and your um, Instagram accounts to the show notes. And thank you very much for making email marketing and Google Analytics and everything to do with with that side of things. Very easy to understand and relatable for the listeners today. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me on. So much useful information there from Jason. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed, then don't forget to click the subscribe button. And if you want a daily dose of me, you can follow me on Instagram at The Bar and Retail Coach or check out my website at www.thebarandretailcoach.com. See you next week.